1: you doing? Good morning. You're listening to the Arts House on Cork's 96 FM and C103. It's Elmarie Maw at the microphone with you until 10. Connor Tallens here also ready to go.
0: Oh, me and all the other famous people as well.
1: Yeah, because there's a few of them actually this morning. We are having some lovely guests for you between now and 10 o'clock. A little bit later on, we're going to be talking to Michelle Carew. She's the Arts Officer with Cork City Council. And this is something really that um, I know would particularly appeal to the listeners of the Arts House, but also we are appealing to the listeners of the Arts House, if you can follow that. Um, So we'll be telling you about that a little bit after 9am this morning. and also be talking to one of Cork's best loved troubadours Jimmy Crowley who is not retiring let me tell you <laughs> no. there is so much songs so many so much music and so many songs still in him he uh, is he's,
0: full of plans
1: he's it? just released a double album there's yeah. another album ready to go yeah. he has another project also <laughs> a, a co-working project already I mean there is no stopping the man but when I tell you he has the sweetest song that would kind of nearly break your heart yeah. a beautiful lullaby for children yeah. Well, you're, going to, yeah, you're just going to have to wait for that a little bit later on as well this morning. We're going to be talking about the first of our pantos for 2021 later on today. Laura Hart is going to be chatting to us about the Improv Comedy Panto, which is going to be uh, live at St. Luke's this year instead of on the stage at the Opera House. We'll explain that and tell you all about it later on as well.
0: And, of course, Luke, give yourself a little bit of a present as well. If you're going to book tickets for live at St. Luke's for the kids, of course... Uh, because it's the improvised panto which is obviously for children uh, you might as well <laughs> 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 It's not you
1: it's <laughs> Exactly, yeah.
0: uh, children of all ages <laughs> come, come on, come on <laughs> You might as well book yourself tickets for Ruby Horse as well which is in the same venue as well so I spoke to Joe Philpot about the band and their plans for live at St Luke's and how they're getting on and also uh, Edith Somerville is featured this week and if you're wondering how do I know that name Somerville and Ross, the Irish RM Now we're starting to figure out where we're going That's the subject of this week's Work of the Week
1: And if you are into looking at music history in Ireland, well then I have a book to give away this morning and I'm going to be talking to the author of that book indeed about his life as a music promoter, Pat Egan is joining us on the programme Just after this we're going to start off with The Piano Guys Love this one It's Waterfall massage after that, wouldn't you? That is the the Piano Guys and John Schmidt and a piece written by John Schmidt uh, called Waterfall. Love it but it's relentless, isn't it? It's something else. Uh, now then, Connor.
0: Now, Pat Egan started out as a boy from Dublin's inner city and ended up sitting two rows behind the Queen for her Jubilee as a result of the work and the context that he'd made in decades of being a music promoter. He's written a book about his crazy journey, it's called Backstage Pass, And it's full of his own experiences and memories of working with literally everyone and anyone. Soloists, bands, comedians and performers of all sorts.
1: Yeah, and he describes everything from picking them up at the airport, who arrived in separate limos and wouldn't travel together and all sorts of crack, to smoothing the way for difficult clients and the lifelong friends he made along the way. And also he gives the context for whatever was happening in the music business at the same time.
0: As a youngster, he left school with just his primary cert and became a messenger boy in a bike making himself indispensable and being the kind of lad who had the curiosity about other people. He had an interest in music which saw him building up a record collection and kick-starting a career in the music business promoting other acts. He ended up putting pen to paper during lockdown to tell it all which is where we pick up in the course of his conversation with Elmarie the other day.
1: All of that I guess is by way of laying the groundwork for a career where You've worked with Billy Connolly who's written the foreword for this book so sweetly. You had everyone from Bob Marley Status Quo and Elton John and Sir George Martin and Phil Coulter and the Celtic Tenors and Sinead Lowen I mean like you write about the biggest international acts from Shirley Bassey you name it to like for example artists like Sinead Lowen that you would have loved to have seen have a major international career and people for whom you could see potential beyond what you achieved down the road together you you yeah. chart the rise and fall of relationships falling in and out with people some pretty badly some that have left you with regret and and you're you're honest through it all pat like that's the thing and some of these people in the in the business where you would have been working as their promoter there's a difference between being a music promoter and being the manager for an act obviously. So you would have had a lot of dovetailing in and out of people's uh, lives depending on whether they were coming in for a gig, a once off or a tour. Some people you probably worked with for just one night and other people then you had a much longer relationship with. Yeah. Can you tell me about any of your one night stands?
2: Well. I'm trying to remember the ones. I mean, there were bands, shows that we did in, in the stadium and places which were just. The act, you see, might lose popularity and wouldn't come back again or would tour again, but you, because you didn't do 100% business, you wouldn't take them back in. Um, I mean, Queen in the RDS was, was a one night stand, the, probably the biggest one night stand that I ever did because. Queen had a, a reputation for touring with an enormous production. In other words, tons of lights. They, ca- they carried over so more than six hundred overhead lamps, which had to be put across the stage. So the amount of preparation for that and and the setup and all. We went into Simmons Court, which was the RDS, which was called Simmons Court Arena, but it's not a real arena by today's standards. In fact, it was a real industrial kind of hall, a kind of a Large cow shed or whatever, but it was the only venue where I could that I could see in Dublin or anywhere in Ireland where you could put on um, a band like Queen and manage to to stage the show and get a ca- big capacity audience in or whatever. So those kind of things, but. When you're that age, you just roll with the, the dices, really. You you don't think about th- that you're doing something that's new or, or hasn't been done before or pioneering or whatever the word is. You just get on with it, because I knew the pop music thing inside out from working behind the counter in in the first record shop. I knew what people wanted. They would come in, as they still do, and Sound Cellar is still in existence 52 years on, so we got something right there. But people would come to the shop, and they were were like myself. So you were talking to like-minded people who could tell you who the producer of the record was, who played guitar and all that kind of stuff and that's the way it was but it was just a natural progression of being a teenager into a, you know a young adult and all that and because I was uh, you know it was music morning and night I just uh, went with it and I was lucky I was in the right place at the right time and then I met Oliver Barry who's a cork man who uh, gave me 500 quid to start off the record shops uh, and we opened the sound cellar as I said and it went on. We hit six stores in the end, including four decent-sized stores in Cork, one big one on Patrick Street. Um, Again, no one had opened a progressive music shop before. We didn't sell Elvis, or we didn't sell... Jim Reeves or any of those kind of people it was all progressive rock which we brought in from the UK and we had it we were the only shop in Ireland that would have stuff weeks before the the mainstream shops you know
1: Pat you have it all charted everything from the shops to fellas pouring paint over the car that you finally managed to buy for yourself and various (laughs) kind of threats and everything like that being there all the way to the poster business to handling riders for the various stars when they would come in to uh, maybe some of the lads from one band filching a couple of bottles of wine out of the dressing room from another band, to paying fifty euro to you two to support the Stranglers and all that sort of crack And literally, it, it, you could travel the world with this book, uh, and, and what is left out isn't worth mentioning. I have to say.
2: I wish I wish I could sit down and rewrite it all again. Knowing, <laughs> but then it might It mightn't have the same appeal then, because I just. I tried to be upfront in it in terms I didn't want it to be one of those softly softly books that uh so many show business personalities write and there's nothing in it I wanted it to have it to have some edge a cutting edge I didn't want it to be softly softly. I didn't want to write just you know about Shirley Bassey being a, a terrific singer and a brilliant performer and all those things I wanted to say that she was an absolute diva you know <laughs> to to work with uh, would make your life miserable and at the same time when she stood on a stage you, you stood there with your mouth open you know.
1: And you have charted all of that Irish stars and international stars like I said earlier on the, the fallings in and the fallings out and how relationships are, are messy in this business from time to time and sometimes it, it, it just it's it's unpredictable and it, it hurts when you become personally involved with somebody as a promoter for such a long length of time it is personal when things fall apart even though you try and look at it from a business point of view you and know, say okay well, it came to a natural end and all that sort of thing but it can be raw.
2: I have lots of consolation in that you know I spent 40 years with Billy Conley, and he was uh, Billy was really a, a you know a hippie a banjo playing folky he never really wanted I think to have that kind of fame it's just that the comedy came through on stage for him when he was playing his banjo and uh, comedy just took over uh But Billy never wanted any attention. In all the years that I stood at airports waiting for him, he'd stroll through with everybody else uh, on the flight, carrying his own bag and... You know, there was never any VIP thing. He, he he brought that thing that folk singers have, you know, that grounded kind mm. of personality with him through his whole career. He'd have a car, as I said in the thing, and a driver or whatever, but he was never one. He'd walk around Dublin on his own. He didn't want an entourage. He didn't want to be seen to be you know, to be uh, people making a fuss of him or whatever. Completely different. And yet he was one of the most famous faces in the world, you know.
1: And still is. And I mean, the front cover of the book, you have Rory Gallagher, Phil Linnett, Billy, yourself, Bob Marley, just in the front cover alone. That's by way, I guess, of looking back at relationships and pathways and journeys you've been on together with so many international stars. But the book also packs a punch in how you see the music industry in Ireland right now and where various things have frustrated you
2: no it's very frustrating
1: yeah well from your point of view and you raise i think certain points in terms of radio play in Ireland which are difficult is difficult venues and venues in Ireland and the booking of which and and you you share it from your perspective as a music promoter and i think it's important that all voices are heard because that is how progress is made, and it's it's important. And you you speak up. You speak up in the book for a number of particular artists whom you feel are being overlooked at the moment, and uh, you know acclaimed abroad and ignored on air in Ireland. And and I think there's a lesson in that yes. for radio stations yes. and airplay right very around the place. So. And very much so. And you call if for an Irish music
2: board. Yes, because opportunity in, in the music business is is really dead in certain terms of what I do, the opportunities because it's become kind of a globalized thing or whatever and major companies have come in and taken over uh the concert business. When I was younger I just got on a plane and went to London and I'd go around all the offices, I'd knock on doors, put my head around the door and ask to see whoever was in charge and, and hope to you know, if I knew the agent had a, a concert or coming up or whatever those days are gone you can't do that anymore it, it's it's all it's a totally different world so there are no opportunities to become a promoter now like i i had or whatever but even for young artists it is now really it's almost impossible for them to break through on their own i mean there are a handful that get through but The biggest problem for any singer or songwriter or anyone today is to get people to listen to their music. You can't get people to listen. There are too many. They're too busy. There's too many songs out there. I think it's something like 60,000 new songs a day are posted online. And even if you do get a bit of attention, it's really only, you know, for 15 minutes, as they say, and then people move on to something else. If Donna Taggart, the girl from Alma, had 200 million plus hits, 230-something million, I think, at this stage, on her song, and she can't get arrested in Ireland, it gives you an idea of how difficult it is for, uh, for artists.
1: Well, I think it's great that you have included all that sort of stuff in the book as well, that it's not just a rose-tinted look back at a, a career with big yeah. names. You you, you have a space for everybody from your family and your grandmother who used to make you learn off, you know, lines from the newspaper. I just yeah. thought she yeah. sounded the most amazing, amazing woman to talk about your own family and joys, regrets and things like that there. And the litany of people who are covered in this book, Pat, whose lives you touched and had an impact on small, medium and large impact is all there. It was only recently we were at a concert in Fota at the end of the summer with Rebecca Storm. And even from the stage, she was thanking you. And, you know, I could see David Monroe was there on the keys. The two of you have a long relationship that's as well in music right. and that sort yeah. of thing in Ireland. Yeah,
2: I did. Uh, I have been very lucky with uh, working with Rebecca again. I think she's underachieved in Ireland. She's such an absolute, enormous talent because she's not just a singer, she's an all-rounder, you know, she can act, she can do everything, but I feel that she hasn't got the credit she's deserved in Ireland.
1: Well, she's always been such a smashing guest on the show with us, I have to say, but I just noted on that evening, you know, uh, you don't hear many artists on stage when they're thanking their band members or whatever, also thanking a music promoter and, and also from the stage that evening, talking about how you know, she owed such a lot to you down through her career, which was, you know, a really nice thing to do, I thought. Come here, listen, oh, nice. I could keep talking to you about various uh, no, chapters, but I don't I want to go. I don't want to give away the stories. That's the thing. I could just say to people, okay. anybody who has even the slightest passing interest in music history in Ireland will just be blown away by this book from your childhood right up to the present day, your vision for the future and all, like, let's face it, there's a fair amount of gossip gossipy backstories now in this book as well as all the photos <laughs> so people will relish relish finding out who was difficult who wouldn't let their band out of the dressing room as punishment for playing out of tune exactly. you know exactly. it's, <laughs> you're
3: very you know, good how I many of them were there so well
1: done Pat thanks so much It's pleasure talking thank to you, you. thank you Well now as we know there's two sides to every story and this is Pat's history and I have to say it's not all light you know because he does dish plenty of behind the scenes in the book and you're going to have to read it if you want to get all the details. In fact if you'd like to win the copy of the book called Backstage Pass that I have in my hand right now by Pat Egan then all you have to do is text or WhatsApp now and tell me one of the bands he brought into Ireland in the very early days was Queen, who's the lead singer. All right, so text or WhatsApp to 0833 96 96 96, who was the lead singer of Queen and would we'll put you in the draw for the book before 10
0: there when you get your book, you can, you can find out who robbed the wine from the dressing room of the other <laughs> band.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, there's loads of that kind of story. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't he doesn't hold back. He actually, you know, lets it all out, I have to say, so well done to him. Um, music of a different kind, possibly, but actually, no. I know John Hartigan. And I see a text here from David McGrath. He says, uh, hi, Elmarie, our second gramophone circle is going to take place this Thursday, the 2nd of December at 11 o'clock in Hollyhill Library. You might give it a plug it's presented by john hartigan and i do know john hartigan and i have to say he has fantastic musical taste now there's another guy who knows his bands his yeah, singers yeah. his music history he is just passionate about it uh right the way through the 60s the 70s he really 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 has yeah. and probably more if i'm if i'm doing you wrong john and you're covering other decades as well let me know Like he would I'm telling you, it's going to be a great day. He's a one
0: man man hat, hot press. He he he
1: practically is. So that is the Gramophone Circle with John Hartigan in Hollyhill Library this coming Thursday at 11 a.m. Okay, back after these. The Arts House on Cork's 96 FM and C103. Thanks a million, Pierce. Now lots of answers coming in for that question. To win the book Backstage Pass all the backstage stories from a life and show business by music promoter Pat Egan. All you have to do is tell me who's the lead singer of Queen because Queen of course was one of the bands you brought in first. Text or WhatsApp your answer to 0833 96 96 96. Now Connor is taking a look at what's happening in the rest of the Sunday papers today.
0: Yes indeed and I just want to say thanks to Pierce for laying out the front page of the business Post for me, so I could take a picture of it and bring it in on my iPad to have a look at what is on actually the front pages of the Sunday Papers this morning. And when if you look at the front page of the Business Post, you see that they're going to be spending their time looking forward to things. This isn't just just news, this is looking ahead. One of them is a poll, it's an exclusive Red Sea poll on the front page of the Business Post, where voters say no to new flag and anthem in a united Ireland. Uh, new Business Post Red Sea poll reveals, reveals start to visions on compromises that Irish unity might entail. Only two-fifths of respondents are willing to pay higher taxes in the event of national unification. They're also looking ahead to property prices in Dublin and telling us that they're set to soar by 25% in the next seven years. So I'm saying stay put if you're living in Cork. <laughs> um, I'm also seeing that this Dr. Descone, um, De, De Gascoon is telling us that the arrival of the Omicron in Ireland is only a matter of time and that's a quotation on the front page of the business post on to Irish papers the uh, other Irish Sunday papers the Irish Sun on Sunday leads with Ant and Wreck uh, I'm a celeb shock <laughs> a storm forces the show off air all stars evacuated and that's a little story there they're also talking about the UK has two cases of the new mutant and that actually is the dominant story on the front page of all the UK papers as well as I had a quick flick through them as well. But onto the Sunday Independent. Restrictions on under-12s mixing short-term, and that's a quotation from Michal Martin, move to be reviewed, quote, in two weeks' time, and new variant being closely watched. Also good news for MICA hit owners to get 100% grants, up to sorry €420,000. Brendan O'Connor leads with an article entitled The Innocent Days Before Omicron. And if you look inside the paper, um, the father of the DJ brothers who stole viewers' hearts on Friday Friday night's Late Late Toy Show has described how playing trance music in the family's home helped their youngest son to say their first words. Wow, they were great other highlights (laughs) of Ryan Truberty's annual Toy Fest included Roisin, aged five, who did a rapid-fire question round on dinosaur toys, and Una, who though hard of hearing played a beautiful rendition of A Million Dreams from the Greatest Showman. And that's the highlights of what's both on the front page and inside some of this morning's Sunday papers. And we'll be back to you after these.
1: Corks 96FM and C103. The Arts House.
0: Well, this week's Work of the Week is a rare insight into the art and craft of Edith Somerville, whom we've spoken about before on the programme. And this week, Michael Waldron was wearing his hat as Dr. Michael Waldron as he was about to go into a lecture about Edith Somerville. He texted me beforehand and said, I'll talk to you in five minutes, I just need to find somewhere quiet in the gallery. (laughs) Which I found a bit unusual, because to me, the Crawford Art Gallery is a quiet place. Well, I should say doctor, I see you're about to go about your business this morning. You're in situ in the lecture hall in the Crawford Gallery and you're about to give a lecture on Edith Somerville. And that's a bit of a coincidence because it's also this week's work of the
3: week. It's nicely timed, all right. (laughs) I can I can stay in character. For this and and the talk. Tell me a little bit about Edith Somerville. Well, I suppose a few weeks ago we had another work of the week by Edith Somerville, Mm -hmm. a little sketch for a famous painting of hers called The Goose Girl. Oh, yeah. But this particular work of the week is a slightly different aspect, her sense of character Edith Somerville was a real observer of people. You might even call her a flaneuse if you use the word, French term, yeah. where even while she was talking to you, she was observing you. Uh-huh. She might have also been sketching you. <laughs> and, and so this work of the week embodies that sense of her rapid sketching on just a piece of paper that might be hidden inside a book. So you think she's reading, but actually she's sketching you. Uh (laughs) So I think that tells you a bit about her skill, but also I think her approach to life, always taking in the details. People best know her as one half of the writing partnership Somerville and Ross, they wrote the stories, some experiences of an Irish RM, which was turned into a TV series in the 80s with Peter Bowles. These sketches are like characters from her stories.
0: That's amazing because, you know, I suppose the job that we're trying to do every week is we we look at something that people can't see unless they're online whilst listening to us on the radio. And we have to try and draw the picture and draw the painting. But this is a skill that Edith Somerville had in terms of she was able to do an instant pen line sketch of people on paper, as well as do sketches of people on paper for novels. How to describe a person in a line, just the way that they would look or something small about them that would just catch the essence of a person. So she was doing it in both mediums quite comfortably I would understand
3: seemingly so and you know if anyone knows her writings they are a product of their time they kind of give the inflections and all of the specific things about a character that marks them out yeah. you know you have a sense that with these sketches that she's picking out certain characteristics of people almost a caricature that expresses their personality yeah. and you know there's a kind of a wittiness about it as well so Absolutely, it's not, yeah, not too serious
0: Not alone had she a great eye but she had a great ear as well I remember thinking it's one of my great hobbies when I'm on holidays just people watching just sitting there <laughs> outside a cafe or restaurant or a pub particularly in a sunny place and just watching the world go by you know, in a way, doing my own mental sketches of the world.
3: I think that's exactly what she was probably doing as well, because yeah. she was trained in Paris. So if you think of, you know, Toulouse-Lautrec or some of the artists of the end of the 19th century and the cafe culture, people sitting around and just a piece of paper or a napkin or something in front of them, and they just doodle away. And this sketch seems to have that same sense, that it's not a finished painting and, you know, faces just keep appearing across a page. And each one has, you know, an upturned nose or spectacles or pince nez on the edge of their noses or, you know, mutton chops or <laughs> whatever tells you all you need to know about <laughs> about this character.
0: And also, it's a sign of the times, if you look at them all, I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All of them are wearing hats. Bar one, which is just a kind of a close up on a nose and a pince nez, but all of the others, every one of them has a hat and a hat was such a big thing in the day. It was a status symbol.
3: Oh, a huge thing. And actually, Edith Somerville, you know, she seems to have been larger than life and the centre of attention. But she loved hats. Ah. She had a word to describe a particularly stylish hat, which was flangey. <laughs> um, so flangey was stylish, was, you know, out. And um, what's really wonderful is late in life, so she died in 1949. A few years beforehand, she attended her niece's wedding and she arrived late having made her own hat which had a very wide brim and a taxidermied seagull on it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that tells you all you need to know about her. Yeah, it wasn't quite a
0: day at the races. Fair do, to her. That's good. I'm sure she was the talk of the room anyway.
3: Talk about, you know, you shouldn't eclipse the bride. It like, feels like this was not in her repertoire. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's wonderful. I was just reading during the week that stuff that was previously unknown, sketches that Rudyard Kipling had done for the Jungle Book, drawings of Baloo and Mowgli, so that when you get to see the pictures that he had done way ahead of what had been done by animation and by Disney, that he was using sketching as a tool To paint the picture for himself, to set the scene, to create the character, to flesh it out, to give it a little bit of life, take it off the page, make it something that lived in the imagination more than just on your paper at the other end of your pen.
3: That's wonderful to hear because, you you know, you you never know what maybe a writer is intending you to visualise. And if they if they draw it themselves and they're mm. any good, it helps you along the way.
0: I love the way you describe it that she was very good at rapid sidelong sketching. And that was a skill that she'd learnt in Paris, obviously. When she was in school, a skill that helped her all her life.
3: Yes, I think that darting eye and that capturing of information very, very quickly, either with a pencil or with, you know, with the words, it stood her in good stead. So a very clever woman, a very commanding woman. And we're delighted to be celebrating her at the moment in our exhibition, Edith Somerville Observations.
0: I wish I could come to the lecture you're about to deliver this morning. They're lucky, those that are there, and very fortunate that they'll have the benefit of your of your knowledge. You might even mention to them, if you get the chance, that she wished that she'd done more painting and less hunting.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that is a very, very good, good mantra to live your life by. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so... That's the class that she was a member of but it was also the class that she observed perfectly. You can see it in action by looking at this week's work of the week a few sketches, each and every one of them a life of their own as she also brought them to life on paper both as an author as well as an artist and an amazingly talented woman whose work deserves to live on on the walls of the Crawford Art Gallery and online in crawfordartgallery.ie and if you want to have a quick snoop for yourself just go in there and look at the work of the week and I look forward to talking to you about another work of the week next week Mike
3: Thanks again Looking forward to it Thanks a million Connor I have applied
2: for the post of resident magistrate in Ireland and I've been accepted
0: all rise you'll be a wonderful resident magistrate
2: if you want to give evidence on your own behalf you should really be on oath
3: oh, as God is my witness I never used to naught in my life
2: I think I found a house large house in its own grounds good stables and a housekeeper Mr. Flurry is here sir and if you please sir would your honour go out to him Mr. Flurry McCarthy knocks my leg gutters seem to be in rather a bad state
0: <sighs> i dare say they are but it's a fine sound house anyway
2: There's plenty of rooms in it people's drunk and disorderly i find you guilty as charged thank you Your Honor. you were a bit hard and slipper weren't you
1: if major yates administered justice according to the wishes of Floody knox the whole countryside would be in a state of anarchy. I love that. The old trailer for the Irish RM. A state of anarchy. We're almost there again. Who knows? Uh, Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Really quirky little sketches and well worth checking out. I love that Work of the Week slot. And in fact, uh, I had another text from artist Claire McLaughlin. Now listen guys, she is running this incredible programme. It's called Seen Unseen. And basically, uh, this is a particular programme of engaging with the arts for people who are visually impaired. And the next seen, unseen gallery visit is to void gallery in Derry next Friday. There will be people there in person, but it's now, or sorry, there were to be people there in person. Now it's taking place virtually on Zoom only. And it's still not too late to register for that. You can participate. What they will do is they will send you out a tactile Uh. pack and then the visit to the gallery will be guided by Claire. You'll have the tactile pack at home or whichever uh, member of your family is visually impaired will have it. And it's totally free of charge. Participation is completely free. So, oh. if you would like to get the pack in the post and try out the scene unseen, I mean, like, when are you going to get a chance to go and visit? And they
0: like the gallery in the, the post to get to you, and everything. Then what else you fantastic. have to
1: do? Yeah, yeah. When are, like we're not travelling to Derry anytime soon. This no, is a brilliant chance. Yeah. So I'm sure there'll be probably many more than visually impaired people contacting Claire. But Claire McLaughlin is the artist doing it. Now she spells McLaughlin with an M C. L A U G H L I N. Okay, so all you have to do is email Claire McLaughlin email at gmail.com. And the way she spells Claire is C-L-A-R-E. Okay, so E, and McLaughlin for her is L A U G H L I N. So yeah, yeah. Claire McLaughlin email at gmail.com. She also has a website, it's artist Claire McLaughlin.com org well worth doing now loads of you sending in uh, messages for the competition for Pat Egan's spill all the stories book backstage pass is what it's called a life in show business everyone he's ever worked with from Billy Connolly to Rory Gallagher and Bob Marley and Paul McGraw and you two and George Martin and Eric Clapton and what they were all like in the dressing rooms he has it all. <laughs> All you have to do is text me the name of the lead singer of Queen to 0833 96 96 96. We'll put you in the draw for that before 10. Uh, Magic Bandon, good morning to you. Right answer, you're in the draw. But he also says, it's really foggy. Can people turn on their headlights or their fog lights on the road because it's dangerous? And yes, it's true. I know a load of people have their Christmas trees and all the twinkly lights up since the toy show on Friday night, which are decorating and twinkling through the fog, but it is dangerous. So make sure you're well lit. The Clear skies we had during the week, I'm afraid, are gone, but we had some amazing skies and some amazing moons, didn't we? Here's Eamon King. Love this one.
0: Inside, I've seen the scars you've tried to hide and Just because I don't call your name Doesn't mean that I don't know
1: that's one of my favorite songs and actually Connor was playing that at home uh, one night there during the week when he took charge of the playlist uh, in the house and I had forgotten I hadn't heard that song in so long Eamon Keen, there of course, one of the nephews of John B, but you'd know him, you know, such a, an amazing broadcaster in his own right but plainly multi, multi, multi talented. In fact so talented like all the kids were taking part in the toy show the other night. It was great to see some fantastic Cork children. A big shout out to Music Generation Cork City and the children from Greenmount National School who were on singing uh, with Ed Sheeran. That was pretty cool. Well done I loved watching you. And also a shout out this morning to the students from CADA performing arts, who are heading to Dublin to perform in PERFORM in the RDS. So, hope you all have an absolutely fantastic day. Now, Thaisa of Gwilm er Twitter, Nismon, Facebook, Ladini. Agzane Honigbe Nort Umtach, O Gail Taka Gwil Marga nanolog, or I grew a Kosachupa, Besher Shul Gach Sachen, Ek Tosnu, and tahtin Shahuing, and la Divina nolog. Now, in Ruddes Farfi, Nagwil Shitig Froil Spas, Lahag, Ein Renaud, Athak a Good Ari, deal Nuhar Conkin. So kinte þú ert að fara helle haig lochten þú ert að fara að skilja að þú ert að fara að skilja að þú aun er fara að skilja að þú ert að fara að skilja að þú ert Schachto koik no geschacht nu is few lán gael er social media freshin is even lum on ship of a at a course an honored gael er and no mar. is faded at a dil gae er or huch nach nu Laura's gael get the first die oil new um Clíhi ás goil So, is fiú dole sidaach le heigh Capán Café a Súil a da tínpil an chapa éanlá agus cinta yomig tú a cúpla brúntan ish áling áon freshen le heigh Now, gach táchtan, bím ag malla cláiracha eog Súil a er tíjí cáir ag ach, íha mairach, tá cian Súilár arta í a hénle ebhlein o rúrg. Cáad fúin a tísh ma hóirí an tánim a tá air agus tán treilár áon Súilár fáad tá mair áon a cainte fúi Lalala lalala. So 96 si no, f- mm. mm. we'll FM and C103. The Arts House with
3: Griffin's potatoes. Make the perfect chip at home with their chipping potatoes. Once you taste them, you'll be back for more.
0: Now in store.